This episode is brought to you by HalfSorting.com. Now that things are opening back up again, parties are going to be a thing. And what are you going to wear? Are you going to wear the Release the Snyder Cut t-shirt that everybody has? Or are you going to wear kick-ass HEMA apparel, which will start conversations and help you to stand out from the riffraff? With unique HEMA designs, HalfSorting.com has kick-ass apparel for kick-ass fighters. Visit www.HalfSorting.com Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Blades for Days where we're going to talk about swords and sword fighting and getting stopped by the police for having a big axe covered in nothing but a thin black bag. I'm your host Jordan and joining me today is the capo of Tempest Fugitives, Jay Maxwell. How you doing? I'm really well thanks. I'm absolutely knackered. Had a sparring day today. Um, what about you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, considering. <clears throat> considering we we're just coming out of lockdown uh surprisingly busy yeah and i spent the the last two yeah i spent the last two days uh training and talking with nihangs out in the park um tomorrow i've got to go off i've got to be teaching uh the basics of swordsmanship to 150 students in oxford um and then i'm off to italy oh fantastic which, which part of italy are you going to i'm going down to uh to napoli for about six weeks Fantastic! That's awesome. I uh, I lived for about four years um, in Airolo, which is like an hour inland from Napoli. Um, mm. So yeah, oh, that's awesome, man. That's great. Is this the first time that you've travelled uh, like during the lockdown period or following the lockdown period? No, there was a, a gap halfway through, uh, and I flew down. Uh, again, this was uh, down on the, the southern part of the boot, uh, but uh, I went down to uh, to interview uh, Paolo Cazzato, uh, who's the world's oldest practicing fencing master. Oh, cool. Is, um, is that uh, Stefano's instructor? Cause... Uh, he's getting, I think he's getting lessons of him and uh, Roberto, his son. So there's a, oh. a whole dynastic line going on there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, getting to travel again. So what's the? Well, I mean, first of all, what's the what's the deal with the 150 students in Oxford? Um, well, I sometimes get hired to come out and do day workshops or weekends. So yeah, this was one of those. That's excellent. That that sounds like training an army but yeah <laughs> with the trip to napoli is that hema related or is that just to get away or uh everything that i do at the moment seems to be work related i don't have time to go on holiday <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm going down there. i'm going to do some teaching i'm going to be uh training with some of the guys out there uh i've got to attend an award ceremony so and obviously we're setting up our european distribution center down there that's cool yeah that's got to be that's going to be really challenging. Um, obviously, that's one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today was just the, you know, the hurdles that you've come across in sort of setting up distribution in Britain, both mm. during a pandemic and following Brexit. That's going to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was rather a rough ride, but we got through the other end. Um, to be honest, the the reason the just the the 
retail side got set up is because people would would come to me and they'd say, Jay, what's suitable equipment for side sword? And I'd send them to half a dozen different websites and then tell them, you know, use this, use that, customize this that way. And I thought, well, wouldn't it be great if just for the school, I could bring everything together in one place. And yeah. that was the idea. Um, and then, uh, then I just decided I'll just make it all more widely available. And then companies started coming to us. Now we're a bit selective though. So we'll, we'll only retail stuff that we use ourselves. So the instructors at the school use it. We recommend it to our own students. Uh, everything is, is carefully tested before we'll sell it. Yeah. Oh, or we cool. make it ourselves. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I've, I've been able to use Tempest Fugitive uh, jacket. I was using it today during the, uh, the sparring and, um, and also the, the Plastron, which is like, it looks great. It looks like sort of samurai armor. So I'm well into it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's cool. I've actually, um, I've just been sending students your way recently uh, for that very reason um because it's like oh you're after this yeah go to tempest fugitives you know and, and that's that's really good to have especially in britain i was talking to john middleton about it and you know a few years ago it was just if you were getting anything you would have to sort of go you know you, you were looking at random places in europe mm. and you've got some great manufacturers out there but they don't know the first thing about you know, website design or anything like that. And so that can be a pain in the ass having to navigate that. So it's, I think, um, yeah, I think having Tempest Fugitives sort of having this, this kit available in, uh, in Britain, even, you know, even if it's made to order, that's a lot of the legwork mm. out of the way. Yeah, uh, of course, we are talking about Brexit. And right now, the, the time it takes to get something through customs is a complete gamble. Um, so although we offer back orders, um, we, we simply can't guarantee timescales. We don't know if it's going to be six weeks or it's going to be three months. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's got to be one of the challenges. One of my guys ordered a, um, it was from, I think it was Regenier Rondel and it wasn't, it wasn't Regenier's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. You know, nobody was at fault, but it, I, I don't know where it ended up. It ended up in like, you know, Dartmoor or somewhere, you know, some, <laughs> you know, um, and he's like, where's my Rondel? <laughs> like, I just, and uh, I'm like, oh, that's going to be so frustrating. Um, just, just waiting on a, you know, waiting on a weapon, mm -hmm. waiting on something. Um, it's when you know that it's sat in high value storage in Coventry. And every yeah. time you try and get in, every time you try and get in touch, you're just told, "Yeah, we'll we'll get to it. Don't worry." Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, oh, you don't care about this. This is this is everything to me. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna get this sword, and it'll make me feel complete for like at least two weeks until I need another well, one. That's, that's curious. During lockdown, no one was buying, you know, protective equipment or or books or anything like that. But we we didn't see any dip in sword sales. Really? Yep. Everybody still wanted swords. Well, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I, I would have thought that there would have been kind of a, an increase in, in everything, you know what I mean? What, um, during lockdown? Well, yeah, during lockdown. For, for people who are, you know, you're working from home, you can't go to the cinema, you can't go to, you know, you can't do that. Well, I've got, I've got money, might as well buy hmm. swords, but also, you know, books and um, uh, other stuff as well. Um, 
I mean, and obviously it depends on people's, like what people's financial situation is, but if you're not spending it on traveling, on going on holiday, on going to tournaments, on, you know, doing all this other stuff, you might as well get, you know, some more swords, books. Uh... Well, you know, swords are expensive and they're cool. So I guess if you're going to be sat at home, you may as well yeah. buy yourself a sword. Yeah. I'm guessing that's what was going through people's heads at the time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm uh, not exactly innocent of kind of uh going through websites and just going oh you know what i could i could really do with um well i've just ordered a spadroon from uh kraken swords so a friend of mine alex timmerman he makes these beautiful spadroons and uh one of my students ben was kind of umming and ahhing getting one and i'm like well i can't have you have one and not have one myself (laughs) (laughs) you know Oh, careful with Alex. You'll be getting one of his uh, Chrysler FAs next. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love his stuff, actually. I really like mm. his work. Um, and he's uh, he's coming to Fight Camp um, in August. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, if you feel like giving him some work, I'm sure he'd be, uh, I'm sure he'd be grateful for it. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be happy to talk to him. It's a question of whether I'll be, uh, I'll be, quarantining on the way back from italy or not oh yeah so of course i'll be i'll be coming back uh early august but i may have to uh, stay on the boat for two weeks yeah yeah you're the uh, you're the, do you do you live on the riverboat yeah absolutely oh cool i okay. could i could i could never go back to a house no that's that's fair enough it's it's only that you're the second person i've had on the podcast living on a boat actually uh, john middleton no. doesn't live on a boat anymore um, he's he's moved back to a house. He's now a landy or whatever you call us. Oh, um, that's because he went because he went over to Sweden. But he used to have his uh, his place uh, his boat in Canary Wharf. I don't yeah, think he'll go right. back to it at some point. Yeah. How is it uh, storing weapons and swords on a boat? Do you have to get really creative or? Um. Well, my my personal stuff is all up on the walls. You mean for right. the for the store? Well, no, no, no. I just meant that I've, like, I mean, I've got loads of uh, stuff on the walls, but then I have, hang on, I'll show you. Um, for people on the podcast, I'm just like, I've got other stuff that's kind of propped against the walls. I've got swords that are used regularly um, downstairs. So I don't know that I would be able to, I don't know, it's it, like it clutters up the joint, you know what I mean? Um, it does. They do get underfoot a bit. I've got a, a massive bundle of pole arms just up here tied into the, the side of the companionway. Uh, I've got racks of pole arms further down here. I've got swords in every corner. Uh, I think it's just, just something we have to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it is the price you pay, but yeah. <laughs> um, Tragic. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> what a curse. Um, yeah, so like i've watched i've watched i think probably most of your youtube videos um where you're traveling about and you're doing um because you do like different uh instructional videos generally from what i've seen on uh, not montante but like a larger sword because i mean uh, morozzo uses it's morozzo's yeah yeah it's a, a spada duomani which could mean longsword but honestly it's already in a period where you're going past what we consider to be a longsword and we're moving into something that's more blade heavy and it's used differently and you can see that yeah 
yeah um it's it seems a lot more forward facing um mm. you know than what i've seen in uh things like fiore or lichtenauer's tradition where you, you have a lot of these kind of like guards being held back um so yeah that's uh that's cool and i think the aesthetic of them is great as well because they're always in this like beautiful english countryside um well i think it's important that you don't just train on smooth flat ground but you train on whatever you can so one of my more recent videos was done in quicksand for example um i've trained in um uh, shoulder high grass i've trained on sharp inclines uh, and it really it really makes you address your uh, your footwork as well yeah yeah no 100 i i actually did a video recently um where we were talking about fighting in different environments and um one of the places we went was like a pebble beach uh mm. and that was that was a little bit that was a die that was a dicey dicey <laughs> experience because uh our feet are sliding about and it's not like you know you know when you're sparring on grass and you slip and you fall and you're like hey yeah okay i landed on my ass but when it's like a pile of rocks it's, <laughs> it's yeah it's different so yeah no i really enjoyed that it's it it was kind of a nice sort of um bit of escapism as well uh for me during lockdown um sort of living vicariously through you going you know going on these adventures as well which was nice so yeah put the interviews on hold unfortunately but we're we're getting back to those again now yeah i saw the last one you did it was with um uh it, oh, i forget the name but he, he studies japanese sword john evans yeah yeah that was cool um how he got into it i thought it was really really interesting as well because that is it that is one of those stories where you know you end up in this kind of monastery sort of thing and then you know and then gradually mm. it, it leads into other stuff i've got um a book on aedo which i dug out mm. um because i have a student and he he like um he came to me with uh he wanted one-to-one -one sessions and he said to me like i'm just going to give you a heads up i've got uh, chronic fatigue syndrome um and so I, I did a little bit of research into it and i was like okay well here's what we're going to do we're just going to make it like aedo or aijutsu where you're just trying to like that that first opening cut is going to be um we're, we'll just try and get that lightning fast you know and then uh and then withdraw so i dug that out and at the start there's a forward where the guy is talking about his experience back in i think it's like the 1980s or something where he went over to japan um to train uh, to do kendo and aedo and stuff like that and it's like oh that was a different time <coughs> now you know now everybody does that you know i'll have a gap year or whatever you know i'll go off to this different country but back then it was you know it was a it japan was still very much a uh you know and like another world you know what i mean mm. so yeah i mean the the monk that he that uh, john trained with out in japan the first guy uh he he met his fate in a knife fight with the yakuza it was still it was still still that kind of place but the the 80s martial arts was uh it was a fascinating thing it was everything coming from outside of europe was so completely new and unusual which is why we got all these these quacks suddenly turning up and calling themselves the black dragon society and count yeah. dankula or whatever the hell their their names were dimak 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we still get some of that today, but it's nowhere near the same level. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I was doing some grappling and uh, mm. I, I was doing like Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff and I looked up at my coach and um, I said, where should my chi be directed? And he went, what? And I went, where should my chi be directed? And he was like, and I could see that he was about like, I was like, dude, I'm fucking with you. And I was like, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have, I, I've had people um, come up to me at like conventions and stuff when I'm sort of, you know, promoting the academy and they've talked to me about like, you know, uh, you, like, you don't mess with me. I've got like, I've got chi powers and all this sort of stuff. And oh, they don't, yeah. You know, they don't say it like that, but I'm like, oh, right, yeah. Um, I literally had a guy take his shirt off once um, and say, you, you can't hurt me. The power of the runes will protect me. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, oh, hang on. Let me just go get my spud on and we'll, uh, we'll test that theory. This, this was in sword training. Oh, Jesus. I haven't had anyone that bad. Like, I, I've had, you know, I've had the usual... Um, you know, uh, really, really hyper newbie, really excited newbie who just like, you know, just runs forward, they're swinging the sword like it's a, you know, like it's a baseball bat, whatever. But I think that's standard, you know. Yeah. Um, everybody yeah, I think, part, I think part of being an instructor is just being able to deal with that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. But I, I haven't had anybody with room powers yet. Hmm. Um, I don't I don't know. Uh, like, I'm a little bit disappointed about that. <laughs> <laughs> Give it time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, um, probably. I mean, I've I've had like, um, yeah. Well, most of the stuff that I've had is has been while promoting the academy, like to different people, and like, um, you know, I said I had one person turn up, and they say, "Oh, you know, I know, I know a guy. He's one of the only ten people in the world authorized." to sharpen katana and i'm like what what, what? yeah i was like <laughs> sod off you know authorized by whom <laughs> yeah a authorized by whom and b what's gonna happen if like you know if i grab mine and i start sharpening it is, is suddenly you know a bunch of people are gonna kick my door down and go wait you know hold on there katana police <laughs> you know um stop what you're doing they're not going to kick your door in. They're going to abseil from the rafters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bursting through the windows. Um, yeah. So, like most of the most of the, the nut jobs have been at at uh, conventions and stuff. But uh, what it's did gotten you do? a lot gotten a lot better. Um, what with this this guy with the runes? With the rune that power. I wasn't the one training with him. This was um, at a, a school I used to train at. My instructor was talking to this guy. The guy kept the, the guy kept messing around, and the instructor stepped in and said, "Look, I'll, I'll show you." And he stopped just short and he said, "Why didn't you parry?" And that's when he took his shirt off and said, "The wounds would have protected me." Oh my god. Yep, that uh, that sounds good. Well, that was the thing when I said to when I said to my coach, you know, I turned to him and I said quite seriously about my chi. I think that's what he was. I think that was a thought that passed through his head, like, oh Jesus, I've got to deal with this. But you know, obviously, <laughs> I was messing around. But yeah, room room power. Did he stick around long or? No, he wasn't invited back. <laughs> um, but but um, you get, uh, I mean, when when you hear things like chi, generally what 
what people are probably referring to, if they're serious about it, you know, people who are practicing Chinese martial arts, is about get, getting the correct muscular and structural, structural alignment. It's, it's only crazy weebs who think that uh, qi power is some kind of a magic force that you can project from your fingertips or any of that kind of gibberish. Yeah, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I agree with you. I've, um, I've had like conversations with friends of mine where we're talking about, you know, Taoism uh, and, and yeah, as you say, that kind of where it's an allegory for good body mechanics, essentially. Mm. um and that's i'm fine with that if you want to call it chi or power or energy whatever um that makes sense because we talk about power when making cuts we talk about you know we talk about impetus we talk about all of these kind of things you know Mm. uh, structure that's fine but yeah you're right it's when people you know when people turn around and they're like oh i'm the wizard you know Um, yeah no touch martial arts yeah exactly yeah i love empty force i love that sort of stuff um you know and uh when when somebody takes them on who just doesn't believe in their uh you know in their in their bullshit Uh, i i I don't know i mean it's the same reason i don't like cringe humor you know i just don't like watching people being embarrassed i know what you mean but at the same time if these guys are making bank off the gullible um it is like it is nice to see yeah but the people who accept these challenges they actually believe it themselves and i can't help i just feel sorry for them you know there's there's not there's nothing enjoyable about watching a 70 year old guy getting beaten up i'm not talking about no no no, i'm not talking about that i'm talking about um like there's there's this guy i don't know his name um, but I've seen him in loads of videos and he's like no touch martial artist or an empty, empty force, whatever. And, um, you know, he's trying to get this, like, he shows how he can throw people onto the ground and all this without, without touching them, whatever. And then somebody gets up and says like, okay, could you, could you do that to me? And he doesn't hurt him. He doesn't hurt the, the instructor or whatever. He just comes at him and he just, he will refuses to go down. Um, and, um, you know, this guy is like trying to like he's trying his empty force stuff and it's just not working. And eventually he ends up in a in a kind of a like a bear hug situation. And he just oh, that's nice. Yeah. The, guy just, the, yeah exactly. the guy just goes up and gives him a cuddle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like, stop me from hugging you. Come on, there's a pandemic. Um so yeah, I, I know what you mean about the you know, the the older gents who've you know had had the shit kicked out of them kind of thing i i do understand that and um i do think that they believe in their own powers you know mm-hmm. um and that's you, you know that's not necessarily the same as being a conscious charlatan um mm. yeah so like I'm, I'm with you on that one um it's it's funny because i've kind of encountered it a little bit not with anybody that i've met in person but i've i've encountered it a little bit in hema through interactions that i've had with people online um it's Mm. just these uh you know these guys who they're like oh no 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 like i do this with a sword and i like i would do that with a sword. yeah you know um and i guess yeah i guess probably um Come across a lot on your youtube channel as well you you come across all sorts um but in hema as well 
I find it's actually the the older characters who are the worst, the ones who never want to spar, encourage their students not to go off and train with anyone else, not to attend events because they'll learn everything wrong. And the truth is, these are people who started probably when Hema was still fairly young or not quite as well known, could build up a following, and they don't want to develop themselves and offer better training. Now, these are the people who bought a book and a sword and called themselves master or teacher or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got in touch with what, like, so, uh, you know, now and again, I get people from different HEMA groups and they'll say, like, I don't, I don't agree with the way you do this. Fine, and we'll have a discussion. Somebody sent me something once. They sent it to the guys uh, from the AHF as well. They may have sent it to you. I don't know. Like, because I talk to the guys, uh, uh, Mike and Nick Thomas, a lot. Um, mm. uh, you know, we, we have chats online. It, um, you know, it came up there. But, like, I think it was a cult or something. It was... Uh, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. This, this weird knightly order which wants to yes. take over the country or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I think that's just one guy living in his living in his bedroom above his mother's house or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I I actually followed the address and it's just a a, a regular house somewhere in a cul-de-sac. It was so like I I was obsessed for, with this for about two weeks. I was just like, <laughs> who is like who is this guy? Um, because he he claimed to be a descendant of the Romanov household, you know, the, yep. the uh, Russian <laughs> imperial family that was that was killed. And- um, Yeah, offering knighthoods and all sorts. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was great. He was like, he was offering, yeah, knighthoods for a certain amount of money. And then mm. like, you could be a super mega knight or something for <laughs> like a, a grand or something like that. And he's like, you get this coat and you get these socks and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yes, because if I'm a real knight, I'm surely going to run around with a baseball jacket proclaiming myself as such. <laughs> yeah. And it was, um, uh, it was a student of mine I was chatting to, Ben, um, and we we were talking about it because he said, you know, we we defend people and we do these missions, and we were to, we were like we were really tempted to try and hire this guy, but just like <laughs> you know, like oh you, you know, so you're basically mercenaries then, okay, we're gonna hire you to go and like you know, root <laughs> out this gang. So yeah. oh, oh, oh. Uh, you've got you've got a dark sense of humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hire them to come and take down your own club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh god. Um yeah, that was like I said, I was obsessed with it for a while. We did like a deep dive of the website and we were like, is this person like are they just having a laugh? Are they delusional? Like is it what well, like it could be either. But um yeah, that was brilliant. That that stuff was. Well, but the guy looks like he's about sixteen. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he's at university. I I don't know, but it, uh, I I'm gonna guess that he's probably just bored and lonely, and he wants to his life to mean something, and so he just came up with this convoluted story. Yeah, I, why not? More power to you. Maybe just join a Hema group, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a lot of people, they don't want to wait. They don't want to invest the time and the effort. They want uh, gratification now. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these are what somebody described to me as taking a beak of knowledge and a beak full of knowledge and trying to run off somewhere with it uh, and establish yourself as something greater. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the, yeah, um, and that's. Um, I think that's something that everybody has done at some point. You know, um, but, uh, well, we've, I'm, I'm sure we've all felt it at some point. But um, I certainly didn't when I started in HEMA. Immediately set myself up as an instructor. I spent twenty odd years. No, uh, getting no. to that point. Yeah, I, I just mean in the in the sense that we we don't enjoy the journey. Um, because we're trying to get to, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to be the best. Like, like, I, you know, um, you know, when you first start and you just go hell for leather with your training and you're just like, right, I'm going to do this every day. And I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna mm. train for six hours in the morning and then go for a run and all this sort of stuff. And then, you mm. know, uh, and you sort of, you make that progress, but then you realize that, oh, actually this isn't going to stop. Like this is, gonna, hopefully you're going to continue on that curve. Um, there's always another mountain exactly yeah but you, you, uh, just have to, you just have to learn to enjoy that journey though i mean everybody when they're young and they're first starting they're thinking well i'm not interested in all this background stuff i don't want to learn the terminology just teach me how to take someone's head off with a spin kick um but then over time as you overcome hurdles and you find new hurdles and so on you realize that there is no as you say no end to the journey yeah it's constant progression it's the same way that there's no such thing as as mastery there's only the journey towards mastering. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent agree. Um, and and you see that throughout, you know, all or every text that you read on like on, on this sort of stuff, like um, Book of Five Rings. You know, it, mm. it's that whole once you stop studying this, like once you stop kind of going back to the start and then uh, being on that cycle you you've become stagnant you know yeah and um yeah you, I, you, you have to permanently revisit the basics the fundamentals everything else is just fluff yeah those, those principles that that boring first chapter in every one of the the hema books people read that no one wants to look at that's what it's all based on anyone can make up techniques yeah yeah um and i think that's interesting because like that kind of uh, there's a parallel there with uh, something that my craft Maga instructor used to say um mm. and he's like look just just you know practice your jab cross just practice it over and over again you know just do the jab cross jab mm. cross he's like you're rarely going to win the fight with a flying arm bar you know <laughs> uh, like as much as uh, as much as you'd love to that's not going to be your opening gambit kind of thing it's it, 90 percent of it's just going to be this basic movement and um it's it's always the basics because your your mind in a, a fight or flight situation is going to drop to the simplest movements yeah uh, you're not going to be able to remember that super complex drill that you trained last week uh, you, you're going to use something simple yeah yeah I've said that, like, I've, I've said this to my students about, like, uh, uh, gross motor functions in a fight, mm. um, you know, I was like, who here can thread a needle? And obviously, everybody puts their hands up. And I'm like, who here can thread a needle when they're being chased by uh, a rabbit Rottweiler? It suddenly changes, mm. and your hands are shaking, <laughs> and you, you know, your arms are pumping, you're looking over your shoulder. So yeah, it's... Um, uh, it's have, you ever, have you ever heard of chess boxing? No, I haven't. Definitely implement that at the club at some point. Okay. Basically, fight a, fight around high intensity, then sit down and play chess for two or three minutes, then get up and keep fighting. Um, and that. it's either yeah, it, it's it's either oh, in boxing it's uh, knockout or whatever, but in HEMA I guess it could be until someone lands a head hit 
yeah. or you win the game of chess, <laughs> whichever comes first. Yeah, that's ace. I'm um, I'm writing that down. I'm I'm using that because <laughs> um, there is that thing, isn't there, where you're using different parts of your brain. Um, you know, the animal side a little bit more in a fight. Mm. And um, one of the things, again, that my crab instructor said was, uh, he said, you know, I always try and de-escalate. I'm always going to try and like, you know, uh, if it's a street fight, just just de-escalate whatever's going on. Try and, try, you know, try and get out of that situation. But like run away if I can or whatever. He said, but if I can't, if it's if it goes to the point where I know I'm going to have to throw a punch, he'll say, what color is your car? Right. And um, <laughs> it's like and while they're doing their kind of like, wait, what color is my car? Oh, and I don't have a car. He's like, that's when I hit him. I'm like, their, their mind's changing gear. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's like, doesn't always work, but, you know, it's worth, uh, it, like, it's worth a punt. Yeah. So, Whatever yeah. you can use. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm all Never fight fair. Warfare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, I study Fury, so fighting fair is just not Oh, anywhere. there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's right, nowhere in the <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, obviously in Fura there's the um, there's the pole axe which is like and this is this is full of caustic poison. And... When I first saw that, I thought he was shoving a beehive on a stick in someone's face. <laughs> yeah, and... it wasn't much better. <laughs> yeah, no, like probably, I'd, like I imagine he probably would if he could get away with it. Um, mm. And uh, it's it's funny if you read the text. Um, I think I talked about this recently, but if you read the text, the person that he's um, kind of uh, dedicated the, uh, the the manuscript to, um, mm. I think Nicolò de Est. He says, uh, I know you would never do this because you're a noble and, you know, outstanding. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, a, lo there's a lot of that in the Italian text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll teach you how to defend yourself against the stiletto dagger, which certain unscrupulous characters might intend to use against you. Yeah. And then proceeds to show you exactly how to use the stiletto dagger. Yeah, not that you would <laughs> ever do this, my liege. Of course <laughs> not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I like that. I mean, I've uh, I've watched uh, the videos that you've put up and the the images that you put up on Facebook of you with the partisan spear as well. Um, <laughs> that's that's a cool weapon. I don't have one. I I want one because that's a sword on a stick, isn't it? It is. Um, but again, with it in Marozzo specifically, you have a progression of pole arms. So you start with the partisan. Um, which allows you to learn how to thrust and cut with the pole arm, control the opponent's weapon. You learn the lanciotto as well. Then you move on to the spiedo, which has got the, the hooks to either side, and you learn how to control the opponent's weapon more effectively using those hooks, uh, how to fight up close, how to grapple with a pole arm. And then you move on to the, the ronca, the bill hook, which has got all of these characteristics and more. I mean, you can lacerate someone just by, just by missing and pulling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're loads of fun pole, uh, pole mm. weapons. Um, yeah, but each one informs the next one. Uh, and each one, each one becomes uh, progressively more complex. So you start with the simplest and move on to something that's got more option. That's cool. Um, which is your favorite? Well, for me, the Ronka, just because it's, it's such a dirty weapon. <laughs> uh, 
I, I had one made recently. I, I mentioned this in the last interview as well, but I had one made by Paul Bint. Oh, um, cool. And he's, yeah, and he, he said he's never going to make another one because every time he tried to, to sharpen it, whatever angle he came in from, he ended up stabbing or cutting himself. <laughs> yeah, you know a weapon's deadly when you can't even handle it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a very cool story. Yeah, yeah, that's that's ace. Um, do you think that we're going to see tournaments with pole weapons? At we're working on it. We're working on weapons and protective equipment uh, to actually practice with pole arms. A lot of people are asking us to put uh, something like a, a rattan staff or something on it because they think ash is too dangerous. I disagree. I used to train with rattan, but when you put a head on it, mm. It, it just turns into a, a weighted whip with a rubber hammer on the end, which is not something you want. If you want to train with rattan, that's great. If you're training staff in general, use rattan. But you want something with less flex if you've got a solid head on the end of it. Mm. It's, it's been a challenge for us because, like I said, we're doing Polax in class now. Mm. And we're using ash. But they keep mm. breaking, and I'm like, ah, shit, yeah, that's another one, you know, that's another one broken, great, you know. Yeah, um, and ash isn't cheap. No, it is not, you know. Um, it's it's not. And, I mean, I would I would prefer to have um, a poleaxe that breaks sooner than, than you know, a student. Um, yes. Uh, but that's that's the thing it you know every time they break the cost goes up and uh, mm. like i love my students and i know that they don't do this on purpose but they pick up the poleaxe and they're like well this isn't mine you know and uh, <laughs> all this sort of stuff. every student does that with club weapons <laughs> yeah yeah uh and so i'm there on the side and i'm like oh god you know that's uh that's fine i just need to rehab that that's great yeah <laughs> Yeah, but well, something something we're working on is fully synthetic hafts, um, oh, cool. so they're unbreakable. But it's a matter of trying to find them in the right sizes and trying to find them without the flex in them. Uh, mm. But once we've got once we've got that, that should take away the danger of the hafts breaking. Oh, that's really interesting. So, although nothing nothing quite feels like wood in your hand, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's always going to be the case, though, isn't it? Because I like the black fences, um, you know, the the synthetic long swords, but they don't compare in the same way. Um, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, but they they do come reasonably close, which is where their value value lies. Oh yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Which is why I like them. Um, mm. It's uh, it's just that, like, I was having a fight today, and this was. You know, um, somebody's like swinging them around. He's very new. Uh, I think this is like, you know, this is the first sparring event that they've been to. Maybe they've been with us for about a month. Um, hmm. He's like, right, comes in, you know, and it's like this big, big wind up hit, and he just smashes my sword aside, and then like um, comes in for a thrust. Uh, and I said to him, "Yeah, cool." I was like, "You do that with steel, though. You're gonna, you're gonna like." hurt your elbows over time you know you're going to be putting mm. a lot of shock into your joints because there is a, a lot less give um and i mean the i i find that the rolling swords are worse for it because they tend mm. to because they're so whippy people develop these really bad habits uh, yeah and i remember the first time i fought a student of mine who'd been using rolling swords just got a steel 
longsword. Mm. Cool, let's go fight. Um, and they put in this like savage cut, which I parried, you know, quite easily. Um, mm. you know, their, their, their blow hit my sword and you, I could see the shock in their face, like, oh shit, mm. you know, um, because it's obviously all that energy had just stopped dead. Uh, mm. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I do like the black fences, as I said, because they don't slide about as much as the rolling swords. Um, they don't whip as much as the rolling swords. But yeah, it's, it is still a facsimile um, of... Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, but I, I struggle to see how we could come up with a, a synthetic that would be a, a better design because they do yeah. bind better. They do have a safe amount of flex. Obviously, yeah. they're, they're thicker and wider, but that's because they're, they're made out of a synthetic material. Yeah. Uh, the next step after that is obviously steel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know, I agree. I agree with you. Um, which is probably <coughs> why I'm going to be ordering a... Um, I'm going to be ordering one of the Black Fencer Montanta, the synthetic Montanta, from, yep. uh, from you. I think maybe this weekend, actually, because I had, like, a really long week. Um, mm. on Facebook and I don't know who it was oh you need a treat yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> there was like um, there was an Instagram post by a HEMA group that uh, I finish uh, finish uh, follow and um, they just went it's it's the end of the week it's Saturday you made it you deserve a sword and I was like you know what mm. I do actually um, so <laughs> yeah I thought Montana I'm getting a goddamn Montana well, every once in a while, you've just got to remind yourself what you do it all for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, that's you know, I think that's that's fine. I'm not I'm not a materialistic person usually, <laughs> but I do. Obviously, I do have a bit of a weakness when it comes to swords. <laughs> that's not being materialistic. That's <laughs> advancing your training. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which is what I will tell Melissa when uh, yeah when, I... <laughs> when it arrives. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody, one of my students said um, uh, they. I, I can't remember what it was or what the context was, but they said, "Oh, I'm going to start ordering stuff and could just go. Oh, look what I won in a bingo contest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't that's going to carry all of. The way. Yeah, that's going to fly a long way, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I was like, that'll work maybe once. Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Montanta. I think they're, you know, and the, the great swords. I think they're mm. cool. Uh, they look great. I've, I've used uh, Black Fencer uh, one just to sort of play around with. Um, mm. What would you say the benefits are to a great sword over a pole arm? Um, I'd say the the greatsword lets you get in closer. There's the obviously the social value of it. Um, a greatsword is properly made. You were talking about pole arms breaking. Mm. A greatsword a greatsword is less likely to do that. Um, you've got more options with it. So also you can still cut and thrust, but you can use the the entire weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was talking about the, the social side of it. Um, the sword alone is an expensive item. If you're carrying a sword at your belt, you're a gentleman of means. If you have a great two-handed sword, this has been entrusted to you by someone. It means that you're someone noteworthy. You wouldn't have this if you weren't a, a fearsome warrior, 
striding about in all in all your lance connecty finery so it's also making a, a major statement yeah yeah i mean there's a reason why fencing masters had themselves portrayed for their books with a great two-handed sword in their hand it's also probably one of the most complex weapons that that you learn um and it it requires the most physical development to use effectively mm. why do you say I mean, when you first sorry uh, sorry why do you say complex the two-handed sword as mm. it well you need to be able to do everything with it you do with a single-handed sword but you've got two hands on it and you have a lot of weight with it so you need to use use gravity as well um you can't suddenly stop the blow and reverse it so which is why you keep getting these large swooping motions i mean if you think of when you first started learning how to use for example the side sword uh, it's not a heavy weapon, but when you first start holding those guards, you notice it. Yeah. So now you take a spadone and you try doing the same thing with that, with these long extended guards. You need to have already learned how to use your own body weight and your own body structure to counterbalance that weight. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I, I think it's great that we see so many uh, people like Fran using them well as well because it sort of illustrates that if you get the right body mechanics you're going to move that blade you know and you mm. can move it well uh, yeah you don't have to be uh you know a big big guy to be throwing it around because um i think a lot of people have this idea that great swords are barbarian swords you know mm. uh, you know because of fantasy and all this sort of stuff. yeah um, yes, smashing through plate armor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, and that they can't be used eloquently, and you know, uh... Uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Obviously, mm. um, and also if we look at historic portraits of people, uh, with the exception of the the Germanic side of it, where you've got um, things like the Landsknecht or um, pre-Elizabethan Tudor fashion and all this sort of stuff, men weren't portrayed as being these big, square, blocky men. They were generally quite live. Um, this is what a, a, a soldier was meant to look like. And these were the people who would have been using these swords. Yeah. Well, I suppose that makes sense because, you know, you're not, you're not putting on mass by doing repetitive actions like lifting, uh, you know, uh, I was talking to Mike Prendergast and we were talking about mm. the, the different kind of uh, training regimes that these uh, soldiers and these swordsmen would have. And there's, um, mm. there's lifting and throwing rocks. Um, sure. But there's also a lot of aerobic and aerobic exercises that they're doing this like burst energy stuff. So you'd have the build more of, I guess, like, um, yeah, you'd have the build of a runner almost. Uh, yeah, over somebody whose job it is to, I don't know, lift heavy things all day. Um, or yeah, more of a triathlete than a powerlifter. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, no, that's that's yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't thought about that actually, um, because yeah, when you do see the things and stuff, it's not. Mm. You know, again, you don't get uh, the '80s action hero um, hmm. at, uh, at the front of these uh, at the front of these books. So, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think um, 
I think that's my next personal challenge is like learning how to use a, a Montanta or a, a Spada do Armani well. Um, because well, Alfieri refers to it as one of the best ways to develop yourself physically as well, because it works the whole body. Yeah. Because I like, I had a go with um, a small sword today. Mm. Um, and I mean, I'm not like, I, I like medieval stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> I like medieval stuff. I don't mind side sword. I've been won over by side sword. And, um, but I picked up the small sword, which I bought from uh, the AHF. Uh, I bought a few mm. of them, uh, one for myself, one for Melissa, and then one for a friend of mine. And I kind of like, I looked at it and I was just like, where's the rest of it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I had a bit of fun with it today, but, uh, and I was quite active in the fact that I was sort of, like, trying to move forward, trying to move back, trying to avoid my opponent's thrusts, because I was up against uh, a good friend of mine, Sam Aykroyd, who's taller even than me, uh, and I'm, like, 6'4", um, so he closes distance so well. Um, he's, like, I love Sam, but he's an absolute bastard, because he's, He's uh, six five, left-handed, and a really good fencer. And I'm like, come on, man, choose one, right? So, yeah. Learn him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, come on. Um, so yeah, uh, and we were just uh, we were having a having a go with that. But it is all you know. A lot of it is in the arm uh, and the feet mm. that you're sort of pushing off um, mm. to kind of make these sort of explosive lunges. And it is a physical thing um you know if you if you have a look at um la touche certainly cardio isn't it oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah, um, yeah. De, de, de la touche those insane lunges yeah yeah <laughs> and um that's it like you know your, your groin is like an inch from the ground as you lunge through yep. it. I'm like oh what if there was a pointy rock you know just just there <laughs> um it, well you you'd it would aid in your recovery, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. And you, can't, you, you can't tell me that uh, you're handling small swords and thinking, eh, where's the rest of it, when you've got two vintage Italian Fioretti right behind you. Uh, I know. Okay, right. <laughs> I was going to say, this, um, these swords, I found them in uh, an antique market in Sirencester, um, oh lucky you i know right literally they had come in the day before um mm. so i walked in with a friend of mine uh jess she is she lives near sirencester she's there all the time right she goes in all the time and she's just kind of lurking about um you know buying weird stuff and um yeah we went into this one room and there they were and i was like i have to have these um and i went there like I, I just snatched them up i was like nobody touched these so, <laughs> yeah um and, uh, and 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 now they're here so yeah on the wall so i'm happy with that <laughs> good fine <laughs> oh, yeah yeah absolutely um so yeah i mean but obviously um in terms of the physicality of it totally different weapon to mm. um a, a Montanto or Spada do Imani. Mm. And I know what you mean about that kind of the, the body mechanics, um, mm. because I've found it as well. Well, I found it in, in everything. Like if you do it well with the dagger, then you can do it well with the poleaxe and stuff. But if you, mm. if you get lucky with it, with the poleaxe, um, 
then you really do feel it in your shoulders and your, you know, and um, your back and everything. Well, the thing is that if you can look elegant with a polax or a halberd, then you're doing it right. Because uh, as humans, when we perceive elegance and grace, what we're seeing is efficient movement. Mm. It's the way that the body is meant to move with something. So generally, when you're watching someone running through drills or anything like that, if they're elegant in it, it means they probably got it down right. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of truth to that because you almost I, I don't know about you you know when you get people posting stuff where they're um, you know they, they do a cutting drill and they're snapping their arms and and mm. you can see you can almost see the hyper you know the hyper extension <laughs> happening um, yeah tennis elbow developing yeah. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I've I've got a little bit of like inflammation there, which I think is just repetition over time. Um, I think you know that's that's going to happen to everybody, but I've I haven't experienced it recently. I think just because I've been sparring more than doing cutting drills, because obviously we've been opening up after. I think a lot of it comes down to how you use the arm as well. So mm. if if you allow your, your arms to rise or come forward or anything like that, if you're cutting from the elbow or just from the wrist rather than using the full full extension and rotation of each of the joints, then you can you can easily cause a, an overextension or an injury that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think everybody's had that thing as well where you you throw a cut, you're expecting to make contact, your opponent dives out of the way and you feel that sort of like, because you were expecting... <laughs> Um, you were expecting something to stop it, and so it just swings mm. by instead. Um, so yeah, I think if we were to do uh tournaments, then where mm. people you know, people use pole axes or people use great swords, um, would there be a kind of requirement? that they, you know, they have to almost demonstrate that they can use that weapon. Do you know what I mean? That's something I, that's something I think would be most valuable in cutting. Mm. Um, I think when it comes to pole arm tournaments, this is still something theoretical. Yeah. It's a concept we're, we're toying with at the moment. Um, so we really have to wait until we have the equipment assembled assemble before we can decide whether or how much control people have to exercise. If we ban everyone below a certain level from taking part in pole arm tournaments, they're going to be very small tournaments because not many people do pole arms. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking because, you know, I've, I've seen people come into uh, longsword tournaments or, you know, any old tournament, but obviously the longsword <laughs> requires a certain... Um, amount of body mechanics to, to get the, the power for that cut but you see people sort of mm. snapping their elbows and getting those like hand snipes or forearm snipes or whatever and, and mm. they're relying on that which you can't do with uh, you, or shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't do with boxes or, or anything like that because in addition to not getting anything of quality you're going mm. to you're really going to do yourself a mischief so it's like mm. um you know how do you um like how do you prevent that well to be honest this is something that's down to the instructor and the school 
that they they should instruct the student in how to do this properly. Yeah. If they come into a tournament and they don't know how to use the weapon, why are they in the tournament? I mean, I'm I'm not one to ban anyone, and I'm certainly not someone who's going to force someone to put on a, a full display uh, of uh, their their proficiency before I allow them to enroll. Um, so it's it's like when I I hand out or I, I retail these uh, these cards. The cards indicate that someone practices HEMA, um, and on the back it's got details of the the legal defence. Uh, but when someone wants one of these, they also have to send me through their insurance details, the company they're insured with, their club, and the email of their, their instructor mm. so that I can warrant that this person is actually who he says he is. So I'm not just sending out a card to some lunatic who wants to carry a sword around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, got, I've got some cards that I give my members, which are <laughs> similar, and uh, I keep one on myself because... I remember I was heading to the AHF at one point, um, just to just to have a knockabout with um, uh, with the guys there, and um, because I was going to uh, because I was going there, I had I think like a longsword, arming sword, uh, saber, side sword, rondel dagger, all of this sort of stuff in my bag, and I'm kind of walking along, and the police there was something going on in town, and the police stopped me, and they were like, "What's in the bag?" and I was like. Ah. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, before I get into this, uh, I'm going to give you this card. Check out this T-shirt. Here's my website. Okay, I'm like, I'm not a lunatic. I'm legitimately, you know, I do, like I'm going to put down this back. Like I opened it up. I was like, look, there's a rounded tip here, and this is that. They're all blunt, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and they were like, yeah, fine, weirdo, get out of here. So I was just like, thanks. <laughs> But, uh, at least he didn't get tased like that uh, that larva running around the lake that time <laughs> yeah, that uh, but, near, uh, I think that was near here uh, I, uh, oh okay well I'm not surprised <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't one of mine so you know I'm, I'm fine okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I had a, a similar experience once so I was um, uh, I was working for a blacksmith at the time um, and uh, we just made a bardiche, which is a, a great big horse killing axe thing. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I had to transport it to the customer who bought it because there's no way we could send it through the post. So we'd taped bin bags around the top of it. And I was standing on the train platform and the cops turned up and said, <clears throat> what's the giant axe shaped thing, sir? <laughs> so I, I, I explained what was going on and I suggested, how about we, we don't do this right here in front of everyone? <laughs> and they said, yeah, well, we'll, go, we'll go over there. And off we wandered and I showed them what it was and I explained the situation and they took some photos posing with it and they set, sent me back on my way. At the same time, I've had cops try to confiscate my, uh, my plastic swords in the past. Brilliant. So, yeah, it's, it's it, it all comes down to the individual. Most cops are perfectly fine, but every once in a while you'll get someone who who wants to take offense at something. Yeah, yeah. Um I, that's the thing. Like they're they're people, aren't they? And I mean I've had that, hmm. you know, where I spar with um a friend of mine. Um, you know, they turned up at one point and they're like, We've had we've had reports of people sword fighting in the park. Um hmm. you know, and they came over and uh, obviously they're, they're doing their job um, that's fine we've been there for donkey's years uh, training because when we did uh, reenactment 
we'd go there and train. And this was the first time, like 10 years since we started sparring there. And uh, mm. show up, which is either, you know, that's South Wales police for you. It takes them 10 years to show up to the scene. Of the <laughs> um, or, you know, it's just that they're like, okay, we keep hearing these reports. Maybe we'll go check it out. Um, mm. and they came along. They saw that we had club jackets um, and that we were both wearing, uh, you know, the same T-shirt, whatever. And I was like, yeah, again, mm. like rounded tips, whatever. Um, here's, mm. here's this. And they were like, yeah, cool. Um, and they started leaving. And I was like, do you want to join in? And one of them sort of faltered, looked at me. And he was like, <laughs> no, 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 I better not. I better be on my way. I got, you know, I got stuff to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think the closer you get to London, the, the less of a sense of humour they've got with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, the you know the occasions on which I've been to London to to do sparring with um, uh, with with some guys there, it's like I haven't encountered any, so that's that's fine. Um, I used to I used to come back from Hastings by train. Um, so when I do the Battle of Hastings reenactments, um, I'd come back and I'd be carrying like a shield, um, and a, you know, and what is clearly a sword bag because it has sword written on it. I, um, I, tried, to, I tried to get that off, but it's like embroidered. I'm like, oh, okay, fine. Um, so, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was lucky, I think, because I never had any, any issues there. Um, so that's been fine. Uh, I'd love to see what would happen if, you know, uh, Mike or Nick got stopped on the way to their club because they generally drive around with an armory in the boot of their car. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the, the last time the, uh, the cops had anything to say about me training, I was out with uh, 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 Spadonia, one of the, the black fence ones, the old white one. Um, and uh, I'm waving around of um, in in this park by myself and i suddenly noticed cops creeping up on me from three different directions <laughs> <laughs> so i stop and i sort of look around and i from over in the distance i hear one of them shouting grab the weapon <laughs> <laughs> white white plastic but yeah anyway what Two of them had to come over and stand on it while the other one told me off for for not putting cones around everywhere or something brilliant yeah it wouldn't make a difference anyway like the cones wouldn't make a difference nobody respects a cone you know no but if, if anything they'd want to go through it yeah it's exactly. just it's just it's just amazing that people have nothing better to do than to try and call the police on someone who's obviously you know not doing anyone any harm yeah uh, the most unusual one was at dusk in a swamp in the middle of nowhere in the mist with and they are miles from any place and i hadn't seen anyone there all day and as the mist was rising in the distance i saw a police car and some cops trotting down the path towards me so obviously not wanting to interfere with whatever it was the police were there to, to deal with i left by another route <laughs> yeah brilliant maybe somebody just caught footage of you uh, on their drone and thought uh... <laughs> Well, there was there was some jokes thrown around that there's people up in the trees with binoculars and mobile phones. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean I've been I've been quite fortunate. 
Um, like I said, I've, I've actually got somebody um, who's in the police force, um, who's a member of the academy now. Uh, I've, I've come across a few of them. It's re really weird, actually, uh, walking down the street and um, uh, a police officer stopped me and said, excuse me, are you from the Academy of Steel? And I was like, oh, shit. Right. Because my first thought was one of my students has killed somebody or, you know, or <laughs> has done has done something, uh, just went on a, on a bloody rampage. So I'm like, I said, yes. Um, and he goes, oh, hey, yeah, you know, um, I had a table next to yours at this school fair thing that we did. Um, and I was like, oh, OK. And I wasn't there I was mm. at the time, but Melissa and a few of my students were, were running it. And uh, anyway, I chatted, I chatted to Melissa about it. And it turns out that he was the mascot that was dressed up like this kind of <laughs> creepy um, police helmet with a face kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the horror. <laughs> oh, I know. I was like, oh, I'm glad I wasn't there that day, actually, because mm. um, you know when they, you know when they just get mascots kind of wrong. You know? <laughs> Yes, yeah, I'm visualizing that in my head, and it's not something you want in a kid's school. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it was bad. I'll I'll um I'll try and dig out a photo or something and uh, send it to you. It's on our Instagram. No, no, no that's that's okay. No, that's no, okay. no, no, no. see it now. <laughs> <laughs> Please no. But <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got I've got friends in the Mets, and uh, I know that they're they're perfectly decent people, all of them. The tricky thing is that um, obviously they're not exactly all au fait with the, the law when it comes to what you are and aren't allowed to do with, with swords. Uh, it's a, a bit of an unusual situation. So every, everyone sort of has their own opinion on how they're supposed to react to it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean because, of, you know, even, even in terms of like sword ownership, because obviously uh, uh, Matt Easton, you know, he posts stuff now and again about an antique sword that he was trying to buy or sell or, 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 mm -hmm. or transport. And, you know, he's, uh, he can't do it anymore. Or, um, you know, the laws won't allow this particular weapon to be owned anymore. Oh, we've, we've had exactly the same problem um, uh, with, with transporters. Uh, we've had massive headaches trying to get around uh, transport companies and shipping companies and their bizarre interpretations of what they are or aren't allowed to do or what they will or will not transport uh, right down to warehouses refusing to allow us to operate on warehouse premises because they they perceive what we sell as some kind of arms dealing yeah yeah um do you what do you think the future of this is going to look like in terms of restriction well like with anything else once you reach a certain scale no one really cares. It's the, the startup companies that are really going to struggle with it. Mm. Um, we've, we've kind of jumped through all the hoops and we've made all the necessary contacts and we've got our transport logistics and warehousing and everything sorted out. Uh, and we've got space to grow. So we'll be fine. Um, it's, it, it's when I look back on getting this thing set up that I ask myself, how the hell did we ever pull that off? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It, uh, like, I mean, it's a huge achievement um, because people people don't they don't think critically about this stuff. Um, I remember when I was getting on a plane, I was going to Canada, and I had a because I'm for 
I am forever losing my keys and my wallet and all this sort of stuff. Um, I was really annoyed. Uh, sorry, it's like tangent. On Thursday, uh, on Friday, I could not find my wallet for love nor money in the house, mm. anywhere, in any like. So I'm tearing my hair was it, for it. Was it in the fridge? <laughs> no, I haven't done that for a while. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I um, uh, I. Uh, I got in the car and I went all the way to Carfilly from Cardiff mm. because I was like, I must have left it at the venue. Um, and I drove there. It's like about 40 minute drive. I get there. There's a, um, there's a Weight Watchers meeting going on and I burst in because I don't expect that. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, Oh, there's more wallet in here. I was like, where's the And they're like, no, um, could you, could you get out please? And I'm like, oh, fine. You know, so I'm waiting for this, like for this meeting to finish. They, they finally, you know, pile out. They're giving me daggers that, you know, this <laughs> and uh, I go in, I check everywhere. And I'm like, you know, did what, did one of them nick it? So I'm there and I'm furious and I get in the car, I get all the way back to Cardiff and I'd already checked the car like two, three times, but I thought, okay, yeah. I'll check one more time. And it was, it had slid down the side of one of the doors. I don't know how mm. it done this, but it slid down one of the doors on the passenger side. And I was just, I was absolutely furious. And I'm like, right, I need to get another wallet with a, with a chain attached to it. Kind of. <laughs> um, when I was going to Canada, they said, you can't wear that, um, the chain. And I went, why? And they said, uh, well, you, you can't, you could use it as a weapon. And I went, how? And they went, well, you could use it to garrot somebody. And I went, oh. <laughs> I said, I'd use my shoelaces. Right? And then she's looking at me. Probably like, the wrong thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely was. But I was like, you know, what are you going to like? Are you going to take this off me? Because I could do the same thing with absolutely anything. I, I could buy a pair of headphones, you know, like because the, the cheap headphones that come in the in the packet, I could use hmm. those. Right. I was like, why, why are you taking issue with this, with, with this one thing? But it is, it's the same with, you know, um, it's the same with swords in Britain. It's like, Oh, that's curved. Oh, it's clearly well, if, than any other way. If I, if I was going to, I mean, if I was going to murder someone with a sword, first of all, there'd be the problem of transporting it surreptitiously to wherever <laughs> I need to go. If I wasn't concerned about that, I'd probably just go to a B and Q and yeah. get something there. Yeah, people don't don't seem to realize that swords were sidearms. They were not, you know, battlefield weapons, or very rarely were they. They they weren't meant to be used that way. Mm -hmm. um, they were there to for uh, an age where your social credit represented also your financial credit, trustworthiness, all of this sort of stuff. Where defending your name, which we now trans transpond with with honor, defending that was all important to you, your family, and the continuance of uh, your well-being and your security. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you're right. So, like, when, I can literally buy a bill hook or a chainsaw in a yeah, B&Q. Uh, exactly. What's to, stop, what's to stop me doing exactly the same thing with those? Yeah. Far more effectively. <laughs> 100%. I, um, I ordered a, uh, a, a craft knife, and it the, the, um, the blade on it is, it's... I can't even compare it to anything. It's like, it's, it's about a, a centimeter. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, I, I heard a knock at the door and ordered this craft knife to do some, um, uh, to do some engraving on leather. 
um, hmm. I was making a scabbard for my longsword. And um, uh, the guy knocks on the door and I open the door and, um, uh, you know, <laughs> look at me, you know, I, uh, do I look under 18? Um, I opened the door. He said, uh, said, ID? And I said, you knocked on my fucking door. What do you mean, like, ID? Yeah, but it's but it's the law. It's the same with us when we send sharps out. We have to put a sticker on it, and the courier has got to check ID legally on arrival to make sure he's giving it to the right person and everything else as well. No, and I can appreciate that for something that you could use to batter somebody to death. But literally, if I took this blade, it's, I'm, I mean, I'm exaggerating when I say it's a centimeter. It is so, so small. Um, mm. In order to see it, you literally have to hold it up to your eye, kind of thing. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, and he's like, I know it's not the courier's fault. Uh, mm. It's just the fact that he has to ask this question of- It's absurd, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like, are you a, a clearly 30-year-old man under 18 so that I can give you this tiny knife that you wouldn't be able to use to cut a carrot or, you know, or, or anything, really? Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, like, I'm a little bit worried about the, the direction we're going. I'm a bit concerned that um, every time a politician needs to be seen as tough on crime, they seem to come after us for some reason yeah. because i i think there are there are few groups more law-abiding <laughs> than sword enthusiasts yeah I mean, we really are the nicest bunch yeah 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 exactly um it's why i always like cringe whenever um i read about something in the you know uh, something in the newspaper where somebody mm -hmm. takes a sword uh, and threaten somebody. I'm like, you're mm. it up for everybody else. You know? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah someone's going to try and use that now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happened in Newport a couple of years ago. So, like, you know, there were uh, some, I can't remember the exact details. I think it was Newport. Somebody was um, uh, like messing around with someone's car. I think he did boo hurt or something, you know, battle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard of that. Uh, because obviously my brother used to do boo hurt and he said oh shit this guy did what and he he showed me the whole thing yeah um, i don't th i don't think he knew the guy personally i think that was after his time but apparently what had happened was a bunch of kids have been threatening him they've been outside his house the whole time uh, and all sorts of shit and he opened his boot and the two swords were just there and he snapped and he just decided i'm gonna scare the fuck out of these kids um, and you know, I don't think anybody was actually hurt, but the problem was obviously the police were called, and it was well, you went after these kids with two falchions. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, and that's you know, and that's the thing. Like, I I get it. I mm. I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, but I don't know. Use gardening shears, man. Just like, <laughs> just, like, just to, screw it up for us. Like, yeah. Because um, I, I was chatting to uh, someone like a friend of mine in Hema, and they were like, "Yeah, bloody good on it." And I'm like, "No, man, you're not. You're not seeing the big picture here. The long-reaching mm -hmm. effects of this are going to have potentially devastating uh, consequences on, on 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 the rest of us." Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I talked to him about it. He's like, "Oh yeah, I hadn't thought about it actually." Because it's like, how many, you know. Um, 
you know, I was chatting to a friend of mine who's he's uh, huge into crossbows. He bloody loves them, you know. And he had one mm. made, and he said, "Yeah, I had to um, do this. I had to do this, and you know, jump through a bunch of hoops." And um, and he, you know, he said they're really cracking down on crossbows right now. And I'm like, are there a bunch of like corner shops getting rolled over by people running in, you know, cranking up their crossbow, going, "Oh, in five <laughs> minutes, you're going to be in big trouble." So, yeah. yeah, there's two of you. If I shoot one of you, then you just stay right there. <laughs> yeah, you better wait. I'll, I'll deal with you in a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! I left the goat, the, the the goat foot in the in the car. You wait here while I go get it, so I can I can uh, crank the crossbow. So yeah, I'm I, I am a little bit concerned. Um, you know that like in. In uh, in time, the only the only thing that we'd be able to use in HEMA tournaments in Britain would be the black fences or something like that. I'm not sure that would happen, but potentially. Um, well, when I'm asked about it, uh, because occasionally someone asks me, "Hey, if I buy this, would I be able to put an edge on it?" The answer is simply no. Hmm. It's the wrong kind of steel. It's the wrong kind of hardness. It's the wrong kind of shape. Yeah. These are these are made specifically for sport. No different than a, a fencing foil or a fencing saber. It's just not suited. For sharp cutting or converting to any kind of sharp blade yeah yeah i'm just thinking of other similar martial arts which generally you do you don't see steel weapons being used i mean if you look at kendo if you look at um, hmm. Uh, you know, if you look at sports fencing, I know that with kendo, it's it's more uh, you know tradition because they didn't you, you know they they wouldn't have had the means to necessarily make sports um, uh, sports equivalent. Um, yeah, and uh, bokken, if used with intent, are still very very dangerous. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, I've been on the business end of a, you know, a, a, it was a complete misunderstanding. Um, but I spoke to, um, I was speaking to somebody, and I said, if you were to swing that at me full, uh, with full intent, which they heard as swing that at me with full intent. Um, oh dear. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a bastard of a day. That. <laughs> mm, I can imagine. <laughs> I think they would like. I was doing kendo at the time. I think they thought I was going to do some sort of move, like show them some sort of move. But I was. I was like, I was sipping a drink or something, and I said, "Oh no!" And I, I was trying to explain that that would still break bones. And then they, <laughs> and then they decided to demonstrate it. So, uh, focus your chi. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was my fault. I should have focused my chi and then caught it between my palm. <laughs> Just you know? flicked it aside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so i mean i don't know i i i think that potentially if hema gets big enough and it gets enough recognition eventually people will just go ah no leave them be they know what they're about um so yeah well, i have think we're pretty much there already i mean we're, we're already at the point where people are recognizing what we do uh on the streets or in the parks or wherever and people come up and say oh is this hema mm. it's happening more and more uh, or when someone asks what you're doing and you say HEMA, they recognize the term. You don't have to explain, no, it's not a LARP. No, it's not reenactment. It's actually this. Yeah, which is nice. Uh, yeah. Because I've done that where it's just like, you know, somebody somebody asks, oh, what are you doing? And there's, there's the whole like, 
okay it's called historical european martial arts or historical fencing and they're like oh cool hema and, and i'm like whoa yeah you know it's nice mean? isn't it yeah you don't have to go through the whole spiel yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is good because it saves like about 15 20 minutes of my life you know what i mean yep <laughs> uh, in general when, when people ask me what's in my bag these days i just say fencing equipment then they make the obligatory joke about putting up fences and I explain fencing the sport and then we part ways. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I used to say golf clubs. Um, so like, yeah, people would say, Oh, you know, um, what's in the bag or whatever. And I'd just be like, yeah, golf clubs. Um, just been, just been playing around. But the problem is if anybody asks you any follow-up questions, I know nothing about <laughs> Right. So they'll, they'll ask me, I don't know, golf questions, golf related questions. And I'm like, hmm, good question. Uh... Mini golf. You play mini golf. <laughs> yeah, I need my entire set to go. <laughs> You're very serious about your mini golf. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm the pro mini golfer. But then I spend <laughs> 15 minutes making up some bullshit about mini golf. Hey, you may as well have just told them about HEMA. Yeah, exactly. And maybe <laughs> converted people. So, yeah. Um, I, I, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I think because I've, I've just passed my driving license, uh, just passed my driving license, just uh, passed my driving test, it's mm. hopefully not going to be as much of a thing anymore um, mm. because I can just bundle all the swords in the car and then just bugger off. Um, plus it's so much better for my back because <laughs> walking walking yeah. through town uh, just carrying loads of swords especially if I've got like a student like a one-to-one -one student or whatever and I'm having to carry their stuff as well mm -hmm. this has been really good fun buddy um, where can people oh, are we done um, well yeah I mean it's like we started at eight it's oh okay yeah, it's now uh, an hour and a half later. I have to keep them to about an hour and a half-ish just because mm -hmm. um, they go up on the website and I don't I don't actually do any of the work when it comes to like compressing stuff. That's all, <laughs> that's all Ben. You don't, you don't want to do it. I mean, editing is the bane of my life. Um, the, the interviews I do, sometimes they're three and a half to six hours long and I've got to try and cut it down to 30 to 60 minutes. Yeah, uh, and even that's even that's too long for a lot of people. Yeah, and uh, I mean, like, I I really enjoy, I enjoy the the stuff that you put up um, because I can put it on in the background when I'm doing the dishes, whatever. I put like my phone up on the shelf, so I'll be watching that and, and um, the interviews that you do, and they're great fun. Um, I just uh, I found that like I did one with Matt Easton. And it was mm. two hours long and we struggled to put it up on the website. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like an hour and a half is like usually the time that I aim for. And it, it generally goes quite quickly. Um, as it as it did today. Right. Normally I struggle with these with these interviews. Yeah, I, I wasn't I didn't know what to expect because you were like, I'm quite introverted and I'm, I'm you know, and I'm like, but uh, yeah, whale of a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were asking you were asking a question. Where can you watch? Where can people find you online? Where can people find Tempest Fugitives, your shop, and your videos? Uh, well, we've got the website address uh, Tempest Swords, one word. So Tempest the Latin Swords.co.uk. 
the videos are all on Tempest Fugitives on YouTube. Um, yeah, that's that's the two locations, at least until we get the uh, the European site up and running as well. We're in the process of sorting out a, a major website overhaul to make everything easier to find, better menus and all that kind of stuff, because we've now got so much so much variety in there. It's starting to get a bit difficult to find things or to see what's in stock and what's not. So, yeah. Hopefully things are going to be a lot easier soon. If you'd like to find out more about historical European martial arts, visit www.academyofsteel.com or shoot us over a message at info at Or you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube.